the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hello, hi. All right, there we go. No, hello. <laughs> there we go. Delay. There you are. The, the, the I heard delay. myself a couple seconds ago. <laughs> delay. Hey, good evening, everyone. We're glad you're on board. We were both um, looking at some notes we have on Corinthians. Yes. Before we came on, but sorry, we're a little bumpy getting in tonight, <laughs> but we're glad to be with you. Paul was a little bumpy as well. I don't know. Is that, can I <laughs> make that connection? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, you are listening to The Bible Live. This is Stacy. I am Soapy's daughter, and we are here. We've, uh, thanks for, we're back in our regular hour. So thank you for anyone that tuned in last week a little bit early. Hope you were able to stay tuned and listen to the Harvest Fest I think I heard it was wonderful, so that's great. And uh, so we're glad to be back at the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah, they had some good uh, good musicians, you know, like Michael yeah, W. Smith. Yeah, Chris Tom. Yeah. yeah. That was great. I uh, hope everybody had a happy 4th, 4th yeah, of July. Be curious July. if anybody, you know, our theme, we've been in um, Corinthians now. And so, uh, and so much of Corinthians, and we always, um, you know, you talk about how the... Uh, uh, schedule the reading schedule is. Yes. I mean, you had kind of just chosen it yeah. out of, and yet it seems so sovereignly ordained. It um, works. It <laughs> really does, and it kind of lines up with our national holidays. And Corinthians falls during Independence Day, and as we look at and appreciate freedom and uh, um, what that means for us as a nation and individual individually, and there's that movie, uh, Sound of Freedom. I, mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm curious if anybody that out there. That is interesting. You say "Sound of Freedom." Out, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word? I drew. Yes. Well, uh, as a movie, outperformed. Outperformed. Um, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. I think that's, the Indiana that must Jones be, sequel. Right. Yeah. Yes. I think that must be 
um, by theater, though, perhaps, because I don't know if it did as a total box office, but it was uh, distributed by quite a few less theaters, Free, um, Sound of Freedom was. And so I think if, you know, if, if it was the same theater count, then it would have. I, I'm not positive about all of that. It might have actually just straight well, up the, outperformed You read the it. article online yes, that said yes, this it one was saying it had, had surprising some, Yes, it was a very surprising, yes, at least Well, that's a good thing surprising to some, when a know. good and godly movie. We haven't movie, seen it. We have not seen it. Just so, yeah, but, yes, but uh-huh, it's faith-based. a faith uh-huh. movie, yes. a Jim Caviezel, and the for it to do so well yes. is a very good sign about yeah. uh, people. Yeah. What, maybe people are waking up to what well, they were really hungry for. Well, is, I'm not sure. Again, though, we yeah, ha- I, know, I haven't I seen know. it, so I don't know. But it, it's a you know, it's a it's a tough topic. I mean, you know what it's yeah. about. It's about um, trafficking, and uh, of course, which is the. I mean, if, if in terms of if we're thinking. Freedom. I mean, I can imagine when it's the sound of freedom, you know, of course, it's children. I mean, it tugs at the it's, it's right at our very core. I mean, that that is evil <laughs> when yeah. we think of, of what the, the this slave, what they are, what the freedom from which they are drawing these children. So to, uh, the slavery, I should say, from which mm-hmm. they're drawing them. And uh, maybe it sets the stage, though, for. The importance of freedom. I mean, we we do we experience it. So, I mean, it, we we really take it maybe for granted. We experience it for the most part. We really do enjoy so much freedom and safety and um, comfort. But and, we seem to be slowly yes. giving it away. Uh, right. Well, and as the country, as yes, culture. and to the to the point where. Something so extreme like this could sneak in and slip into our culture and can become a part of it. And that and and maybe it's a good I'm encouraged that people are watching it just because it reminds us that evil does exist and and it can it can be absolutely horrific. I mean, you would think we don't need that reminder coming off of World War II, the Holocaust. I mean, we know these things can happen, these types of just evil. And uh, But sometimes it's hard to just live like that and live that, that reminder because it's not right in our face. But um, anyway. It's difficult so. because for a culture like ours, because we have, as a culture, we have given in to so much evil, right. uh, abortion and mm-hmm. uh, the violent violence mm-hmm. and uh, so on, we have uh, we are given in to some evil. But this is at least an evil that gets our attention. Right. Even even the most hardened mm-hmm. uh, people would say it's not right. What right. what children? Yes. And so right. it's it's something had gripped uh, mm-hmm. the nation as a whole. We don't have any people uh, advocating for, oh, it's all right. We should let them take each right. children anyway. Well, and hopefully not. Thank goodness. And <laughs> right. so it, it's a good thing in a way that had galvanized 
the the culture, the entire culture, mm-hmm. and uh, for for something that is evil, but right. for looking for a solution to it, and it could be a positive thing for a development spiritually for the right. nation, I, yes. I would assume, and the good showing of this movie yeah. for for that reason I right. think it's probably a good sign. It was produced by uh what Angel Studios. Angel mm-hmm. Studio. Mm-hmm. They Sue. did the Chosen. The Chosen. The Chosen, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think a couple of a more um full length feature as well, but I'm not positive. Um, well I wanted to, to say one thing to our listeners. Uh our website this week uh, for folks who go to the website, thebiblelive.com, or just simply biblelive.com, we were uh, the platform that our uh, website is on had been called Anchor, but they sold to Spotify. another platform called Spotify. And this past week was the first time that Spotify kind of uh, imposed its process of loading and uploading the uh, passages and the programs onto our website, and it it goofed. I I guess I goofed. Uh, It was a little complicated, and so we had some confusion. It wouldn't work through the week reading readings. Uh, just on the homepage, though. So if you went to the programs yeah. and the podcast, all the archived yeah. uh, readings are still there. The, and that's the, where I actually go. So I think we've got, I think we've got fixed now. So please, if you go to the uh, to hear any of the readings you have on the homepage, you have five, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five readings every week. And uh, then you have a button that you can select today today's reading, if it's Tuesday, if it's Wednesday, and it, it plays. Uh, and then if you want to jump around and hear other ones, other readings, you go to our podcast on the website, and you can find the whole Bible. In fact, uh, going way back, you can look and pick out any reading you want from any passage of Scripture you're interested in. So uh, we're back. I, I hope I've caught some fingers <laughs> praying, oh, Lord, please. Uh, I think you got it up and working now. Your brother, Sean, came over. Oh, way to go, He's Sean. a programmer, first rate, and... <laughs> And uh, and help me kind of pick it. I think it's working now. Oh, so good. enjoy, yes. right for sure. Right, it's there. So go ahead. Yeah. So we are in. Let's see. This past week we continued in First Corinthians, finished it, and then uh, uh, finished up Second Corinthians and went into Job and started the book yep. of Job. On um, Friday we mm-hmm. started uh, the book of Job in the Old Testament. Yeah. The Hebrew scriptures. And so yes, and we'll, I want to we'll say introduce too. the book of Job. Oh, yes. Just, 
And I've also, uh, with each reading, there's also wisdom and worship segment. The wisdom is Proverbs. The worship is Psalm. And I thought it was really fun. I love going through the Proverbs. And uh, so also accompanying these readings, we were in Proverbs this week. And I will say it's just a lot of fun. I play these often in the car, listening to the car. And my son is, you know, in the car with me and listening as well. And I really like the Proverbs one, especially when it said the heart of every child is foolish. I was like, Will, you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) So particularly enjoying the Proverbs. And and then in Job, we went back to the Psalm. But uh, it was. It's, a, it's it's nice those little tidbits. Speaking, speaking of proverbs, yes. this is our uh, first question for you, our listeners. Okay. This evening was uh, I'm going to read one of the proverbs to you, and I want someone to call in and give us what is the meaning of this proverb. Okay, stolen bread tastes. Sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. Mm-hmm. That's for Proverbs twenty seventeen. What Stolen does that bread. mean? Okay. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. Gravel in the mouth. Okay. So call, a, yeah, call in. Picture. We would love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. What does that Proverbs Mean uh, that was part of the reading this past week, and then see First Corinthians. We started um, this past week's reading in chapter twelve, and so we talked a little bit about um, when it was written, Paul's uh, state of mind, uh, Corinthians, the context, the relationship mm-hmm. he had with the uh, people of Corinth, uh-huh. and so I think I don't know why I think this is so interesting, but. Um, Maybe it's because I didn't know this, and now I do. And so, uh, but there were four letters that Paul wrote, and so we have two of those letters. The reason we know there are four letters is because he references the other letters in the letters that we do have. And so we, uh, I think in 1 Corinthians, he references a letter that he had written prior uh, that we don't have. And so, and then I believe in maybe fourth or in fourth Corinthians, in second Corinthians, he had mentioned another letter that he'd written prior as well. So these are more like second and fourth Corinthians and we're missing first and third. But uh, I just think that's kind of an interesting thing. In other words, he's writing, he's, he's, He's just writing letters to his dear friends and uh, the church that he had established there in Corinth and with all of their particular issues and problems, many of them very common and still today, uh, you know, we still struggle with these kind of issues, um, just even church discipline, um, the role of women in the church, um, sexuality, and but there's so much, and I love that Proverbs accompanied these Corinthians because there's so much wisdom that Paul has. Um, just relational wisdom. I, you can see, and you know, he talks in Second Corinthians. We'll get to this a little bit, but about what he boasts in, and that boasting at that time, and we think of it as kind of bragging. I think the the uh, meaning is a little bit more in. De- it's when you're boasting in something, your identity is in this. You're you're actually I I'm boasting my 
my, this is a part of who I am more than it's just kind of bragging and being yeah. like I did this or did that. And he's well, it's, placing. It's not about himself anyway. Right. It's, I'm boasting in, in Jesus, Jesus and, and, and God's and, plan yes. and what God has yes. done and so, is doing. Absolutely. And he says, because in, in, but he boasts in his weaknesses, in his suffering. And, you know, I think, you know, he's speaking to a people who put great uh, boasting, great um, relevance. They put a lot of value. value, thank you, great value in being wealthy and being well-known and being, I mean, it, Corinth, Corinth was very much like today, you know, our modern modern society um, being um, safe and comfortable and having plenty of food and abundance and I mean, this was a port city. There's a lot of materialism, a lot of um, you know, sexual immorality. immorality. So how you look and your bodies were very, yeah, yes. all kinds. And yeah. Paul's saying that is don't get wrapped up in that. I am the very opposite. We boast in our, in our weaknesses and in our suffering and in our, our identity is not wrapped up in these things that are temporal and these things that, you know, that are what people want to acquire and claim as their own. That's nothing. We are, we are strong in our weaknesses because that's where Christ is. And it is so, and he's so wise and he just can sense He has lived, he has seen a lot, he has suffered a lot, Yes, and his advice is, uh, I I mean, I'm I'm sure maybe the reason the other two letters are missing is because they were read over and over and over and worn down then. Yeah, maybe. I I have another Bible study uh, I lead on Friday mornings. Uh, I helped to lead a group of men in Bible study, and uh, we talked about Paul. He's been on my mind for the last month or so because of the readings, and uh, we were just amazed, and we kind of constantly uh, are constantly are saying, "Wow, he's just an amazing person." he changed the world. He he uh, he actually did with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, change the Roman the Roman world, and um, so on. We could go on and on about him, but all of a sudden, it occurred to me that. Paul, yes, there's no doubt about it. Jesus Christ, through Paul, changed the world. But I thought of the fact that we we think of Paul, all he all he did, all of his experiences, his suffering, and so on, and ultimately his death. He died for his faith, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, it got it occurred to me. To, all of a sudden that Paul, Paul, uh, he was, he was not the author of his own life. Jesus took him. We see his own testimony and said, yeah. uh, 
I'm going to use him. He's going to suffer a great deal for my sake. Yes. But then I realized that everything Paul does, Jesus did. Mm. And he stood alone. There wasn't a church or wasn't people around to Jesus stood alone against the religious leaders and all the corruption of the era of the time. And so I I, I don't know. I'm not trying to steal anything from Paul, (laughs) but I'm saying that. Jesus was better. It's all about. <laughs> I think Paul would say that. Too. Yeah, it's all about Jesus <laughs> right, in right. reality. Yeah. It's just a different time and a purpose right. for his life were different from the purpose of Jesus, the Messiah's life. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Paul was chosen for a different role. But boy, he played the role out thoroughly and uh, admirably, mm-hmm. not perfectly. It's a human being like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were controversies and so on, but what a man! What a man that his commitment should inspire all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he would just borrowed faith, borrowed. He, everything was based upon who right. Jesus was right, and what right. he had done. Well, I, I love that you pointed me earlier to that Acts, to that mm. Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to go ahead. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Um, but that's just, he's my chosen instrument. I mean, he's so as yes, and and I think what's what's neat in this kind of maybe goes into uh, um, well, maybe if it could be nature versus nature nurture kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're putting it, you know, God all along, all of those things about Saul, all of his his personality, his characteristics, his flaws, his particular this or that, God. I mean, just like his chosen instrument. I love that yeah. he's an instrument for, and maybe it reminds me of that Esther for such a time as this. Yeah. And, and it's like, I mean, it's how it is with each of us. It's not an yes. accident. Nothing that, uh, nothing about you, nothing that has, especially, well, I don't mean especially, I mean, maybe exclusively, actually. <laughs> but those things, when you're, when they are taken and then given back to God when they are, when they are surrendered over to him, when every part of your life is, okay, Lord, how is this going to be used? It, it he, he will use oh, yeah. it. He oh, will yeah. take it. And it, and, the, and in that way, nothing is lost. Nothing is meaningless. Nothing is by accident. Nothing is insignificant. It is all very Purposeful, and I love that we get to talk about Job next yeah. because that's so. That's so God. That's the, the very same. The God is at work in his life. He didn't know it. He didn't know it to the extent that we know it because right. we're told in the book of Job, we're told in the opening chapters right. what was really happening. In the spiritual realm, right. Job didn't know all of that. And he I'm would, sure Paul, he you know, doesn't yeah. necessarily know these letters are going to go on and be, 
you know, yeah. first and second Corinthians, uh, but also in Job, you know, how God just says, did you set these things in motion? Do you know the, the, and, and I mean, he goes down to the details of birthing habits of deer and yeah. <laughs> the horse and battle. Well, you're jumping and way ahead. I know. I'm so sorry. Where, where, where God answers Job's questions. That's right. We didn't even but get to that. That's right. Well, we'll set it up for everyone. And the book of Job is really, really quite thrilling. We have a question out for yes. you on the book of, of Corinthians. Well, no, Proverbs. the psalm. Proverbs. A Proverbs. proverb. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> meaning, what is the meaning of this proverb? Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns your gravel in the mouth. If you know the meaning of that, that proverb, give us a call, 210-340-9585. John loose I know, and uh, right. uh, have music for a That'd while. That'd be so that much fun. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you. And yeah, so with, this is uh, the Bible Live. I'm Stacy, and I'm here with my dad, Soapy, and we are going through Corinthians. Uh, last week, we made it through First Corinthians, right up to the famous chapter 13, the love chapter. So we're not. Uh, I mean, so we got to start with that this week. And uh, and then went through Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, finished up, and then went into Job. So with this segment, though, we're in our second segment of the program. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, let's get into this uh, into the love the yes, love chapter. Yeah. It's amazing how uh, talking about Paul again, uh, the brilliance of his mind of his theology. He understood uh, thoroughly the, the scriptures. He thoroughly founded and based in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And uh, his theology is profound and, and beautiful. It makes perfect sense of uh, God's word in light of the coming of the Messiah. The, that event of the fulfilled all of the of the prophecies about the Messiah and and the era of the Messiah, the kingdom kingdom era. And so he he understands brilliantly all of those things and he laid them out for us. But I'm also impressed by his writing uh a number of the passages, Colossians, here in Corinthians 13, are just beautiful writing. It, it just, uh, if you've read the, the, the love chapter, <laughs> it's, just, it's just beautiful literature. Uh, and, and Paul 
evidently that it was not only brilliant, but he had a great sense of poetry and of timing and uh, and uh, being able to pre present these ideas so beautifully. It, it's amazing. Right. I would like to ask any of our listeners, we're told after the conclusion that Paul said after the uh, great love chapter, chapter 13, is that there are three things that remain that exist here. Faith, hope, and love. But love is the greatest of these. And I want to ask our listeners, can anyone give us an idea as to why why is love con considered greater than faith, greater than hope? Uh, why did it consider to be the greatest of the three? And you can call in and give us your answer. We'd like to hear it, 210-340-9585. I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. It is one of the, uh, I mean, when, you, when we think of love, I mean, it's probably one of the most controversial well, of all time. I mean, this isn't unique to our well, time how, right now. What, but what is love? All right. Love is love. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm asking you, Stacey Lorraine Dollar. God uh, is love. God yeah, is love. Well, God love is, is love. A person. That you've always been. I remember you asking me one time, uh, or us, or mom and dad both, or sometime, uh, you were the one I heard this from. If God is love, and the Bible says God is, is love, mm -hmm. who did he love right. before he created any other beings? Right. Before the angels, before yes. the human race, yeah. when there was only God, who did God love? And that is a very, <laughs> very good question. Because his nature is love. Yes. Uh, and who did he love? Uh, maybe you'd like to give the answer. Well, yeah, that was the that was one. The answer to that was one of the I've heard in the Muslim world as far as uh, trying to understand because the idea of the Trinity is very uh, it's very difficult because there's one God <laughs> as uh, in the Muslim. Uh, religion yeah. and so it, this it feels very foreign, very sacral, you know, very wrong to think of the Trinity and maybe this idea of three. It, it, and it, yet, and, and it's not only that complication, but it, the whole idea of what does the oneness consist of? Is there right. three separate persons? Yes, it's a, we're clear, it's a, mm -hmm. but. They're one, and so people are puzzled about sure. The, I mean, it's a difficult concept as it is, uh, but I think that was uh, so. I, I thought of or thought this uh, from Nabil Koresh. Uh, he wrote "Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus," and in his testimony about um, becoming a Christian and finally, it was the concept of the Trinity and really? and the definition i mean what love has to be that finally actually made him 
say, okay, no, this, this has to be, this is it. This is true. And it was because love, um, can't exist outside of it can't exist by itself <laughs> it has to have a re- it has to be within a relationship and that relationship is just so like well here you go it's the trinity it's this perfect triune god that that love uh connects and binds at the heart of the, the very heart of the godhead Right. Is relationship mm-hmm. the Father, the Son, the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Those are the names that Jesus uh, himself that, that he taught us. Mm-hmm. But the three persons of the Trinity. But a name for God is never a title or a name. It never intended to define God or limit God. This is it. It's it's uh, it simply tells us something that God wants humans to know about Himself, uh, highlighting an intru- highlighting an aspect mm-hmm. of its character, like Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Je- the, the, the those titles, those names, but um, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the Trinity, the names of the Godhead. They speak to us of relationship. They, whatever else the oneness relationship might mean, whatever I, there, and it wouldn't surprise me if something about God is beyond our understanding. <laughs> uh, he lived in a spiritual realm, a domain spiritual, and there are things there that we we just we can't possibly understand but that relationship uh the the oneness relationship they're one in their love for each other the they're one in their character they're one in their purpose in their intent and they're one in their action they act completely in total harmony and perfect unison and so we can rightly know that our God is one, mm-hmm. one God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a beautiful picture and an explanation of the Trinity that I think is very, very helpful, at not only to understand the idea of the Trinity, but it's it, it's encouraging as well. Yes. It also, well, it also, um, as far as trying to wrap your brain around it, that um, I love, yeah. on one hand, it, it's almost impossible, <laughs> it's, but on the other, he roots it in uh, um, you know, the the mother's son or the mother, the, or the father's son. Uh, he, he roots it in the family and that relationship. Uh, and, and that's how he also speaks about us, his now, his children, children. and to be able to be brought into that. Uh, and in that way we can understand it a little bit. We can, okay. Understand that unconditional oh, yeah. agape Not love. Understand it, but Experience be inspired it, and it. overwhelmed mm-hmm. by it. The one, relationship we all long to have that in all of our human relationship mm-hmm. we seek oneness and mm-hmm. and uh, unison and yeah. 
togetherness. Well, that, that we want that mm-hmm. in our marriages, mm-hmm. in our friendships, in our working relationship. Mm-hmm. But of course, we don't because of our nature, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. But I know, in uh, God, we see that mm-hmm. perfect oneness. And well, Tim, uh, Tim Keller, but uh, would talk about um, love that our greatest desire is to be completely known and completely loved. I mean, that's agape love. We, our greatest human desire is to be completely known and loved. Our greatest fear is to be completely known and rejected. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I, I think that's when, so the, the good news, the gospel and why Paul says our highest goal as far as is to be agape love the gospel is that God loves you. <laughs> he does so much so that you couldn't, you can't, you couldn't keep him away so much so that as much as we tried to reject him and keep him away and hide from him and cover ourselves and just don't look at us. He said, no, I'm going to go right down in the midst of you. I am going to get to know you in a way that's even beyond uh, I mean, how can the unknown become known? How can I'm going to right, become, I'm going one, to become of one of you? Wow. And I'm going to I'm going to die for you. I'm going to sacrifice my. I'm going to die for you, and uh, and that is our greatest hope is to be completely known. And completely loved mm-hmm. so much so that you're willing to die for me. So I mean, that's the that is the gospel. Um, I love that question. Why is love greater than both faith and hope? If anybody has any thoughts on that, two one zero three four zero nine five eight five. Well, we now then Paul moves on from that to talk about some of the applications okay. of how does this love work out. And translate into human relationships, into the human dilemma and the human situation where we live in a realm, we live in an environment where good and evil coexist. And so he begins to talk about applying this love to our relationship. And one thing he mentioned, and you mentioned it earlier. He talked about the role of women in God's kingdom, in the church. And as we know, Corinth was a city given over to idolatry and to a pagan worship. And there were, in that system, there, was a, there were uh, priest, priestesses. That's hard for me. The S is hard <laughs> for me yeah. to say but there were there were temple prostitutes. Oh, yeah. They they mm-hmm. uh, it would part of their worship. Well, they included sexuality, right. and so Paul doesn't want the Christian church to, to be confused with that. And so one of the things he talked about is the role of women in the church, and another is the role of the idea of of tongues. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about what that means as well. But he said for women to be modest, Mm -hmm. not to be out front and showy and and up front, but to be modest and to try to not mm, 
Humility is a yes. part of the role. Yes. Now, Paul would not anti-woman. There's no doubt about that. I never he, thought he was. <laughs> he promoted women. He spoke of women in many of his books and said, receive this woman as you would receive me. Uh, he acknowledges their worth and their value to the church in ministry and at individuals. But he said to Corinth, you must be careful, the women, um, because of the fact of human sexuality, sure. to be humble, to be modest, and, and uh, to, so that they would give a good testimony in that setting, in any culture. To me, that is such a beautiful and perfect solution uh, to that. Yeah. In their setting, and in our setting today as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, it's a beautiful application of agape at work uh, in, in a practical, practical right. way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fully agree. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know it's hard because um, and I, I can understand... Um, you know, it can just, I guess, like anything can go extreme and be carried to some, and you could use, you can use, maybe this is a good opportunity to show the irony because here Paul is so much about freedom. I mean, as far as mm -hmm. where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom and that we are not bound by uh, the, the law is not our saving grace. The law it is by grace through faith. It is by faith. By grace, through faith. By grace, through faith that we have been saved. And uh um, and and that that's beautiful and that's where Paul you talked about that practical how practical Paul is and he says over you know, he I love how he flat out says it. Uh I'm not saying he says this is not God's saying mm -hmm. that you shouldn't get married. I'm just saying I'm not going <laughs> to, mm -hmm. I think you probably shouldn't either, but that's not something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny how he distinguishes. This is just my humble my opinion. My idea how we <laughs> yes. would work and how we would solve <laughs> this, this enigma, this problem. Uh, right. But With, in other words, we had to apply love. Yes, uh, to the each situation, and uh, and how anything though in scripture really can be used. And I mean, if if there's an authoritarian, if there's somebody that's trying to use uh, to for for power, you know, trying to use the, anything can be used to try and uh, lord something over, including. Religion, religion, religion. Yeah. and you talked about this in uh, the readings and how what is one of the most uh, the famous Karl Marx saying that he talks about uh, religion is, is the that, opium of the people. The the religion is the opiate of the people. And uh, and I, you know, it. Yes. I mean, Paul mentions it himself, how these false teachers can take money from you. Teachers can sound a certain way. They can look a certain way and they can be. But don't be deceived. Listen, be wise. Listen to what yeah. they're saying. And uh, Paul would say, apply, apply that same to me. Listen to what I'm saying. Critique it. See if it makes sense. See if this is. And 
when it comes to the role of women or how to dress or, I mean, all of these things can be taken to extreme and could be said, oh, well, women aren't allowed to even speak you know, yeah. unless spoken to or women have to, you know, you need, you need to cover your toes and your ankles all the way up to your yeah. neckline, your chinny chin. Uh, and, uh, so just be, you know, be careful, be wise, be wise have, have wisdom, practical. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, um, I want to mention, if I could, one other. It's a major part of Corinthians. Uh, another major uh, area that Paul deals with, and that there is some confusion about it. Okay. Uh, and that is the idea of tongues. Okay. Speaking in tongues. And I want folks to understand that the phrase, the idea of speaking in tongues, there were actually two kinds of tongues. And linguistically, they are different from one another. One was uh, glossolalia, and one was uh, more adequately uh, translated into uh, glossolalia was uh, <laughs> there was one who one spoke another language without learning it. Okay. He actually spoke another language. Right. A real if language. I start speaking, we saw that French Acts, fluently. Yeah, Acts okay. chapter two. That was what happened at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. But there was another one called, uh, uh, boy, Sophie, you... You could say anything. <laughs> uh, the ecstatic utterance. Okay. And that was when, uh, that was a common thing as well uh, in the religious world, uh, uh, that people would go into a... a, a, into a State into what? a state. A state, yeah, they work himself up into a, a state a of, of okay. through sleep deprivation, oh. through drugs and alcohol, oh, yeah. and through different ways, uh-huh. and chanting. Mm-hmm. They would chant, chant, and get right. themselves into a a, a, a condition, mm-hmm. a mental condition, right. where they're they're they kind of. Uh, uh, the word or the good word I'm looking for, but uh, okay. a state okay. uh, of ecstasy, okay. and they would just babble, oh. and this was uh, called ecstatic utterance. Now, some it's sometimes when people, of course, when I describe it, you think, "Oh, that's terrible." No, but sometimes people would be praying to God and thinking of his greatness and his goodness, and they just might go into a time to a static praise and worship to God. It, okay. it isn't necessarily... So not a contrived, yeah. not a manipulated it's effort, not, yeah. but something that is exactly. a genuine... It's exotic. not necessarily okay. that's evil. Okay. Uh, it could be a good thing. Paul said, I speak in tongues too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he meditates and concentrates on God and goes in and come to a, a, a time of ecstatic. You almost think of maybe David when he's dancing well, or in the streets. The point is, he, he didn't want, again, he didn't want the Christian church right. to be confused with the pagan worship 
where they're preaching, work themselves up into this static uh, state and babble, and that's the way they delivered some of the messages. Uh, And they were considered telling a message from beyond in that situation. So that is the basis. uh, That's what he's dealing with when he encouraged them to limit, be very careful to limit their practice of ecstatic utterance or or tongues. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not bad. It's not terrible. It can be positive. It's an interesting... Be careful. Yeah, it's an an interesting thing because in more than anywhere else, it seems like the way in before Jesus, the Old Testament, so much of their set-apartness, their holiness, their uniqueness was literally geography, and it was these laws. That's what set them apart, made them unique. And now it's a different, you start to kind of get, and, and it's still the same old question and the same issues that we have today. How are Christians made to be unique, holy, set apart. Whereas, it, but we're no longer called to be geographically, ge- geographically separate. Yeah. We are called to be the opposite, to go into the world, to reach the the people, all people, yeah. uh, the great commission. So we're not called to be geographically separate and we're not, we're not bound by these, um, Levitical laws anymore. We're not, we're not, you know, called, and yet we are kind of in this way. It's simply the law of love. The law of love. And that's what kind of Paul is trying to carve this out and make them be, okay, you're, you're meant to be different. So yes, the same and the same, but different. And that's how Paul, uh, you know, he even uh, uses uh, the Greek you know, language or the poets and all things to all people, yes. and yet different. Yes. And uh, it's an interesting, it's tough. Uh, we have to think through that even still today. Well, that's our music, the end of our second segment. We're in Corinthians, and uh, we can't wait. We're going to come and take a look at Job in the third segment. So hang in there with us. And we'll be back after this message. Rich in mercy came in Christ to redeem all who trust in his unfailing grace. All right, you're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar, and this is Stacy, his daughter. With your daughter Stacy. Daughter Stacy. <laughs> Proud. And uh, John, who always chooses the perfect song. Thank you, John. <laughs> and we are in, let's see, we're in Bible Live. We're in the book of First, first and Second Corinthians. We finished up uh, first and second. And this third segment, we're going to talk about Job. And I'm really excited about getting into Job. Uh, we had some questions, though, that were outstanding. And so we did want to quickly. Uh, Go ahead and answer those. So Proverbs was the wisdom reading for this past week, which was great uh, right alongside Corinthians and Paul. I think Paul must have 
done his fair share of reading the Proverbs because he was very wise and has advice to the Corinthians and in his letters. But uh, we had asked, um, there's a Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 17, stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. What does that mean? And we have, so in the end, ill-gotten gains will not bring satisfaction. So it might be, it might taste sweet at first, but uh, it's going to start getting, <laughs> it's going to start tasting yeah. like gravel. So, uh, and a lot of people are trying and have tried to put that thing to the test. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> they steal something thinking, I steal uh, food or I steal oh, money or yeah. I steal something from someone else. And they're thinking it's going to bring sadness. Satisfaction, and um, according to that proverb, it does it doesn't satisfy. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, turns into gravel in the mouth. Uh, he has a way with words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next question I really this is a, a great one, Dad. Um, from the love chapter in First Corinthians, uh, chapter thirteen. You know, of course, the uh, what remains are faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love greater than both faith and hope was the question. And it's not, it doesn't actually say, uh, it just says it is greater, but we've thought about it and you've thought about it and I heard, I think, even a sermon about this. And it's because love is the only one that's eternal. Love is eternal. Faith we won't always walk by faith. Well, someday we'll walk by sight. And then hope, well, we live for hope, and someday that hope will be realized. We will, we will graduate into our hope. <laughs> we will. <laughs> and so, but love, love is eternal. It will remain. And so that's why we think Paul said that the greatest of these is love. It's enduring. And on that note of enduring and eternal, I think it's a perfect segue to talk about the book of Job. We wouldn't necessarily think of the book of Job as this loving book, <laughs> um, but we do think of it as eternal because it is, uh, we, we believe it is the earliest written book of the Bible, of all of God's word. It is written first. We think that because it uh, there's no mention of the covenant of Abraham, of, so it predates uh, Abraham. And uh, it's a very universal, kind of poetic, larger-than-life kind of writing and style of writing that would have been um, kind of a popular epic-type yeah. um, book. So and it, style sets, and the, it mm-hmm. sets in place, Stacey, what you were explaining to me in the break. Uh, maybe you can... Uh, expound upon that mm-hmm. but it sets in place right. it answers a fundamental question about the plan of God for humanity right. and the idea is that God is going to draw out a people for himself I will be their God they will be my people but that we as God's people we will we will live in this real world where good and evil coexist right. 
uh, good things happen to bad people. Uh, good, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. A uh, good and evil coexist, and so the realm that we are going to carry out our faith, a uh, relationship with God, who is good, but we have to live that out in an environment where good and evil coexist. Right. So suffering in an is inevitable. Uh, first and foremost, we come into an internal battle with, with the evil within ourselves as human beings. When we are redeemed, we realize that we have sinned, we are sinners, and we begin an internal battle within the, uh, the new nature that God has given us, clashes with our old selfish uh, nature. But then also we run into uh, other egos, <laughs> other human beings and who are perhaps not believers or they have a different point of view and, and evil may be wrong. And we run like idolatry. Right. Yeah. The Jews ran into... They were constantly tempted by idolatry, by corruption, mm -hmm. by immorality mm -hmm. around them. And so are we. Mm -hmm. And so suffering is inevitable. And mm -hmm. suffering ultimately is that clash right. between the first good Christian martyr, Stephen. I mean, here, here's Stephen uh, proclaiming the word, talking about Jesus and they uh, that power structure and they just wanted him silenced and that it's such a perfect image of 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 suffering i mean mm -hmm. absolutely was silenced for his speaking of his faith in jesus well the scriptures say all who would live righteously mm -hmm. justly will suffer mm -hmm. so there is a common a common suffering uh, that we sometimes think we as Christians in this country, we don't suffer because, and that is true in a way. Right. Uh, we haven't suffered uh, as greatly as some people uh, who become Christians in another environment like China or Lisa, Russia, an environment right. of, of hostility, uh, truth uh, dictatorship and and atheism and so mm -hmm. on, uh, we're not, but we suffer, we still clash up against evil right. within ourselves and in our environment, and that is suffering. Mm -hmm. And so we all, if you're in Christ, you will suffer, that's for sure. Take up your cross and follow mm -hmm. him. <laughs> there will be, and uh, so I, I think though that as far as the book of Job and as far as just the the big questions then of life I, that's what's so fascinating because here we're trying to figure out what is this relationship between I know that I am a created being I know I'm not God okay then who is God and then and then once you know who who is he and 
And then does he, what's that relationship with God going to be? Is he friend or foe? Does he love me? Does he hate me? Does Mm -hmm. he want to destroy me? And that's always been, I mean, throughout, it's a very universal, you know, you think of the, uh, all the gods, the Greek gods, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, we want them to like us, you know, and so we do these things or even in more, a little bit more modern times. Uh, I think that, and even still, it's tempting for humans to think, well, if I do this for God, then he's going to like me. He's going mm-hmm. to reward me. I won't suffer as much. And if I'm bad, so God's going to punish me. And I'm God. going, we, yeah. yes. And we kind of, and in many ways, people can use religion. That goes back to that, uh, the opiate of the people. People who are powerful can use that desire for us to have this very nice, neat, boxes that we put God in, in terms of we do this and then you do this. We have this bartering system with God, right? This um, exchange. Some God, people, some people put themselves strategically between men and God, and therefore they're in a position of power. Yes, and they can use that. And I think that, um, but then you have these these little moments in history and in the Bible, the book of Job, that just breaks that wide open, that just says, you have no idea. (laughs) You can't. It's not nice and neat and zipped up. You don't have the capacity to understand all of it, to be able to even approach and approach what justice is or what is right and what is wrong. And I, I... in in modern terms, I think that it was, I remember someone, I think it was Tim Keller, <laughs> sorry, but did a sermon on this, and it, I thought it was one of the most powerful sermons that he has done, but about, about the cross. And we always, reading Job, have to, I think, remember the cross and know that all along, the God who is relating with Job and who's talking him through, you know, and is allowing all of this knows that ultimately he's going to suffer far more than Job does. Mm-hmm. And so he allows it. But at the same time, he's willing to to go there and to, to do far more than Job and to have far more fall on him than ever is going to fall on Job. Mm. But um he talks about, back to the sermon, mm-hmm. he talks about how that is a very tempting, it's a uh, human oh. desire, nature, to, to say God's going to to treat me well because I'm obeying, or I'm going to be punished if I'm not obedient. And and good things tend to happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. And the it was the combination of Stalin, Hitler, and Mao Zedong that just blew that wide. I mean, millions and millions of people were just murdered, mass murder, good people, children, women, I mean, just who innocent people, millions. And it, it absolutely, in terms of the psyche and in terms of it, it, it blew that out of the, that it can't be the case that there's got to be God, God, where is he and how and why does he allow this suffering then? If it's not just a clean cut, you know, good, I did good things. So and I that shouldn't. is the profound, deep meaning 
the most profound, deepest meaning of the book of Job. Answers that question. All of his friends, Eliphaz and the ones that are mentioned, all of his friends are of the opinion that Job's suffering that he endures is because he sinned. He did something wrong, something evil. And Job knew that he had not. And God said he was righteous. And uh, I think introducing the book of Job now, what happens in the opening chapters 1 and 2, you and I get to see what's happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Job doesn't know these things, Mm -hmm. but uh, he doesn't know that God uh, was bragging on him. That's the way the book opens up. It's God is bragging on his servant Job. Yeah. Now, I find that astounding, and mm-hmm. I've often thought and wished and prayed, <laughs> Lord, I hope you can brag on me. <laughs> I think. That my <laughs> love, my faith for you. And, uh, I know, but, yeah. but God, the whole book starts out with God bragging on his servant. And that's, that's, that's such a wonderful thing. Right. Uh, God yeah. bragging on this man. Well, uh, and then the, uh, Satan the says, the well, he's only doing that. He's only being good because you're blessing him with homes and family and wealth and so on. Mm-hmm. And you take that away from him and he would curse you. And then you have the book of Job. They, he gives uh, Satan had given permission to test God, uh, Job's faith, and he does. He takes uh, children, his home, his belongings, and ultimately, finally, even his health. And take, but Job uh, did not did not sin. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so uh, it's an amazing book, uh, and his friends are arguing with him and trying to— I'd say friends advisedly (laughs) there. I'm not sure how much they were really friends, but they were under the same problem. They they, uh, Human instinct kind of thinks that's the way it works, but God's gospel and God's work— it goes against sometimes our human intuition, the way we think it should work. And it's so beautiful. It's so beyond our imagination that God himself intended to step into our world and suffer for our sakes. And that goes against, that's not something someone would have made up on itself. But that is the book of Job. And that is a revolutionary, powerful message, is that we, that God intends to bring out his kingdom and God's people, but within time and space and within the human race and environment where good and evil are, exist and will affect God's people as well as other people. And good things will happen to bad people, and mm-hmm. bad things will happen to good people. That isn't the, the, 
deciding factor of what ultimately is redemption, who ultimately uh, is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I made that clear and would understood. But that's a revolutionary message yeah. of the book of Job. That's right. And talk about hope. I mean, I, I think, you know, when somebody is enduring far, I mean, just absolute evil, what a what a hopeful book to be able to read and to know Job's story and to know that God is there. He absolutely loves me. This is no, this is no, this is not indicative. This is not what is happening in my circumstances. It isn't a measure of God's love for me or his not love for me. That is steady and true and circumstances don't affect that. Yeah. Because boy, it would be so tempting otherwise to think, well, why is this happening to me? How could... But we always have Job and more so we have Jesus. Right. <laughs> we have, I mean, Jesus who, who he endured the cross for the joy that's out before him. And, uh, and I think that that's kind of what we get with Job. We only got through high, um, chapter five in this week's mm-hmm. reading, so we don't want to get too we're far setting, ahead. Setting the stage right. of what happened. And then the rest mm-hmm. of the book, his friends are dialoguing with him and trying to, they're dealing with this topic mm-hmm. of good, the, the place of, evil and, and the, the role of suffering in our lives. And God is kind, uh, right? So dealing with the role of uh, suffering. So I think suffering does mean, or let's say, sorry, suffering doesn't mean God doesn't love you. We know that. it. Uh, in these opening books, the behind the scenes, Job doesn't know what's happening. But I mean, there is so much more beyond our understanding and circumstances. We just don't know why sometimes certain things happen. Well, but it doesn't me, mean me God speak, doesn't. Let me speak to okay. that. Because a lot of people want to know, well, if God is God, what? Why did he let people suffer? Little mm-hmm. children die, and mm-hmm. people suffer and die, and and that's a good question. It's a great question. Many yes. people have asked that for a long time, and and people today ask that who are going through that suffering, and, and so it's an important question, uh, and and it's answered here uh, in Job if you think deeply enough about it. Uh, for for one thing, this is not suffering is not eternal. We must know that God's plan goes on into eternity. So if I suffer in this life, uh, that it, yeah, it's bad. It's hard, difficult. But I know I'm going to go to a place where He'll wipe away all my tears, and we will experience. Uh, supreme glory and ecstasy and happiness. Uh, that so that that right. that one part. It's not his intention. It, it's not eternal right. suffering. Whatever suffering we might experience, mm-hmm. it's only temporary, temporal. Mm-hmm. Now, in other words, and and then why is it temporal? Well, it's temporal because it, it, it's fair. It just, if 
if you and I, by giving our lives to Jesus Christ, we could be guaranteed I do that and nothing bad will ever happen to me again. Uh, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to have everything I want, uh, Jesus Christ. The, in, on earth, I'm talking about on the earth. Bullets won't affect on, you. No, uh, nothing right. would. Uh, I'm talking about on earth. Right. Well, then people would come to God not because they love God and want God and serve him and just because I want to be comfortable. I want to be rich. I want to be a good thing. So God is interested in the people who want him, who want a relationship with him and not just a good thing. And And secondly, I'll hurry. I'm trying to say the, the other fact is that um oh go ahead (laughs) you'll think of it then as i'm talking well uh in these uh, i think it's sweet to job's response Mm. it is suffering also though doesn't mean that you're not allowed to go to god and talk with him about it Mm. and uh, he he, uh, job wasn't even in all of his response, it says that he was still righteous. He was still, he responded well. But that doesn't mean Job doesn't complain. That doesn't mean Job, but he's always, and this is what you're kind of getting at as far as the relationship. Through it all, Job went, though, to God. His prayers, though, were to God. His questioning, his, I mean, he got a little bit of a, a slap on the wrist yeah. for questioning God, but it's, but God's kind with him. He's saying, Job, I've, I'm, I'm magnificent. I am huge. I am, I know everything. And uh, so he's, he's gentle. And ultimately he affirms Job because Job still went to God about it. In other words, he doesn't reject God and, and turn from him. And, uh, he, he's humble. And even when he gets God's kind of little slap on the wrist and the rebuke, he, he's humble in his response. He recognizes you're right. Of course you're God. I'm nothing. And that brings up the third reason we live in, in this way. It, uh, it's just for mm-hmm. one. In other words, it's a it's level right. uh, between believer and unbeliever. Uh, we don't believe because we get out of we get riches and we get comfortable. We, we believe because we want God right. and we want goodness and righteousness. Right. And finally, the reason uh, it it's a tremendous it gives a tremendous it's a tremendous testimony mm-hmm. that we can give as human beings and people of God to a lost world. If we suffer too, right. we get strokes. It's, it's like Satan's it, accuser. It's yeah. like the, how, it, well, if he only loves you because of the things you yeah. give him. And, and, and we go so. through the deprivation. We have, we're thirsty, we're tired, we suffer we like everyone. We have strokes. And we have strokes and bad things happen to us, but we still love God. Right. And that gives a powerful witness to a watching world. Because our greatest desire is, is love, is that yeah. relation, and He is that love. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. Uh, we'll finish up the book of Job this week. Uh, come back next week, and we'll talk about it. 
And I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for joining us. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.